The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justice Mosqueda, and I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western. Say to the people, Tex. What's up to the people? That was a drunk-ass game, guys. Jeez. Yeah, Green Bay Packers win 31-30 over the Baltimore Ravens. It ends up coming down to a two-point conversion at the very end that people are very heated on. Um, I, guess, I guess we'll start there. I mean, the, the debate right now is because of the Staley thing, right? The Staley-Kansas uh, City Chiefs game uh, earlier this week on Thursday Night Football, people got, like, hypersensitive to, like, going for it on fourth down. Um, for some reason, we're now doing like two point conversions is the same conversation. It's the same people who are mad. This was not an analytics move. Any of the analytics would say, you know, independent of like who is in the game in that situation, you, you tie the ball game and then take it into overtime rather than try to win the ball game on a two point conversion. Um, when you hear, uh, the coaching staff talk about it, like Harbaugh, it, it was basically like we have a bunch of banged up players out there and Aaron Rodgers is going to get the ball back and our entire secondary is out. I mean, Chuck Clark, the safety was their last like preferred starter um, in uh, base defense that was left for the Baltimore Ravens this season. He got put on the COVID reserve earlier this week. And then uh, what's his name? Uh, Tavon Young, their slot, their starting slot corner ended up going down in game. So the Baltimore Ravens were legit playing backups, you know, across the secondary I understand why you would make that move, but that was very much like a, a, a football guy uh, play there. That wasn't a, you yeah. know, a hashtag analytics. A robot wasn't making that decision. No. Yeah. It, it, that was exactly it. It's it's, do you want to give Aaron Rodgers the ball in overtime with a chance to, to win the game? Right. And especially the way that the Packers moved the ball for most of that game, the answer should be no. And if you have a chance to, um, you know, to win in a high leverage play like that. Um, I, I totally understand it, especially the way that Mark Andrews has been abusing that Packers secondary, especially Darnell Savage all game, right? Like they made the, the they threw the ball to the right guy. Um, Huntley didn't put a, a great throw on it. I think he, he put it a little behind Andrews, but, um, you know, Savage did a nice job kind of fig- figuring out where that ball was going, you know, right at the snap once he saw Huntley sprinting out to the, to the right side. So... I can't blame him when when his offense has also been moving the ball and picking up you know chunks of yardage the whole time and Andrews has been unstoppable that whole game so I get it I completely get it and, and one thing that like the analytics people will say and I don't know how how well this actually translates in terms of the game flow um, I know like uh, win percentage right is something that gets very wonky at the end of halves which is basically the only time that you would ever care about win percentage. So it it ends up being kind of a a little useless, but like, I I think end of game scenarios, you probably have less of a handle on, you know, in terms of the pure numbers. I know one excuse, not excuse, but point that was brought up was, you know, if you go for one, you get it. Then the Packers then become more aggressive at the end of the half. Aaron Rodgers still has two timeouts and they're still playing for a field goal to win no matter what either happens. way. Yeah. Yep. So I, I don't know how much that realistically changes. I know like in theory it does, like maybe some coaches just kneel out the ball game, but 
if you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback with 40 seconds left and two timeouts, I mean, we've seen him do that before. So yeah, we saw him do it to the Niners earlier this year uh, in a game that they were down by what I think one point in that game too. So um, same, same exact situation basically. So no, it's, it's, you're, you're doing that and then hoping that you get a stop to win instead of needing potentially, you know, a stop at the end of regulation and a stop in overtime. Um, and I would, I would bet that if, you know, you start looking at win percentage when you get into overtime. Um, and, and again, given Rogers two shots at it or potentially um, I think that if you feel like you've got more than a 50, 50 shot of making it, which I certainly would have, if I were in Harbaugh's shoes, you go for it. Um, I, I, I would, I think that move is probably backed up both um, just by gut and by um, analytics. You know, well, I, 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 that's my suspicion. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but um I feel like that was probably the right call, no matter what. Yeah, and the the head of analytics for um, the NFL t- recently tweeted out a graphic about kind of like how the spread works in overtime in terms of like the coin flip and what that relates to moving forward. You got to remember, they went from, you know, sudden death to not sudden death unless you score a touchdown, but it's still a 15-minute quarter to then a 10-minute quarter that is, you know, not sudden death only if you score a touchdown. The coin toss now matters way more than it ever has. Because if you're that second team, you're not getting a second drive in overtime, period. No. You're, you're just not. There's not enough time on the clock. So if yep. you win the coin toss, not only do you get the ball with the chance to score a touchdown and end the game right there, you're the only team that really has a legitimate chance at getting that second drive, or at least one that you could bank on if your defense even gets a stop. So. I don't well, if you have a if you have a great running game too, you could run one of those eight you know eight minute drives that the Packers have had a couple times in the fourth quarters this year. Just pound the ball with AJ Dillon um, if you've got a, a defense that's that's primed for it, and run off almost all the clock. And you know even if you do kick a field goal, you leave the other team with you know very little time left to try to come down and and tie it up or uh, or score a touchdown to win it. So yeah, that's a. Uh, not a position if I were the Ravens that I would have wanted to have potentially found myself in. Did you see Rodgers in the in the it was in the post game? I guess it was the post game, but like when he was still on the field, um, with the yeah, with Aaron Andrews, yeah. he was happy. He seems <laughs> very happy. He looks yeah. a whole lot less stressed than I was, and he was just like, yeah, I mean, just crazy stuff. I haven't seen that one before. And he's talking about you know great, great like team win and stuff. And then, uh, you know, the post game presser, Lafleur comes in there, and he is not a happy camper. I mean, he knows <laughs> that they could have like damn near blown that game and. Goodness gracious, man, like Tyler Huntley, 13 carries, 73 yards. I mean, we knew he was mobile. He's not Lamar Jackson, but like a couple times, like when he just ran up the middle of the defense for that touchdown, I mean, he looked a whole lot more athletic than what he had shown on film previously. And yeah, it's a it's a big game for the Paul Noonan brand. We'll probably get into it uh, later on this week in, in one of the other pods. But uh, yeah, Huntley had a hell of a game. Um I mean, he, he was he was even pretty effective throwing the ball for the most part. Granted, he was throwing basically everything to Mark Andrews and, and gash in the middle of that defense and eating up Darnell Savage alive. But uh, yeah, he made some great plays with his legs. And um, man, if we could just see the Packers defense get a little contained once in a while, um, that'd be that'd be a real nice thing to see. Hey? Yeah, I mean, they kept they kept stunting guys inside or you know, just flat out rollouts. Gary gets too far downfield and then he ends up being the tail end of the snake. I thought that they should have flipped Gary and Preston real Mm -hmm. early because Gary being on, you know, the quarterback's right-hand side, I mean, you're just asking to get get beat to the edge. And he did plenty of times. I mean, it must have been four or five times this game that Gary just lost contain completely and just let Huntley hit the edge. And that that was tough. I, I thought that, you know, plus Mark Andrews, basically getting what was it like two-thirds of the receiving yards yeah that, that's tough ten, 10 receptions 136 yards two touchdowns on 13 targets and it really was savage I mean savage was the guy who was matched up on him a ton yeah. they asked uh, Adrian Amos in the postgame presser about that and he was basically saying like when we were in like cover three and cover one like they were running cover three and cover one beaters and the guy who was running that bender like was Mark Andrews so like he was the guy who's eating those so I mean not not great. I mean, you never want to see a tight end just go completely off. I know those guys, especially in the middle of the field, are kind of like hard to double team. But, you know, in the playoffs, like George Kittle's still out there alive. Rob yep. Gronkowski is still out there alive. I mean, those are the those are the two that scare me the most, especially after this one. 
Um, dude, obviously, obviously none of us want to see Tampa, but uh, of some of those wildcard teams, yeah, that uh, Kittle and, and Debo to an extent too, right? Those, those are the two guys I think that can really make life a living hell for this defense. And Baltimore didn't run it often in terms of like true runs, not Huntley scrambling around. But I thought Green Bay did a real poor job of being able to just get guys, you know, down on the ground. I know they only had like two or three TFLs. It, it looked like the run defense from like the first couple weeks of the season, more so than like what we have seen of late. And I guess, you know, Kenny Clark certainly does yep. change a lot of those things. I mean, he was out uh, nose tackle, uh, starting nose tackle because of, uh, he was on the COVID reserve list, but it sh- it feels like a, a, a defensive tackle shouldn't mean that much, but maybe he does. You'd think, and I, I I do wonder if his absence in the pass rush was was a big thing too. Not getting pass rush up the middle, um, that's been such a big part of of why this front has had such success getting to quarterbacks this year. Um, is him providing that that up the middle pressure to to collapse the pocket? So I think they definitely missed that a little bit too. I think offensive line-wise, I know everyone was a little scared because, you know, no preferred starters out there in the positions that they were lining up in, but I thought they held up fine. I mean, there was that mm-hmm. one where uh, Kelly got beat pretty bad by Justin Houston. I know there was another one, too, where he got pre- beat pretty bad. I don't think it ended up being a sack, but I thought the offensive line held up pretty solid. Yeah, I agree. They they gave Rodgers enough enough time to, to get the ball out when he needed to. Um, there were a couple of um, – he had a couple of pinpoint throws under pressure too, though, that uh, there's that one to MVS in the second half that uh, on that crosser. Um, so yeah, it, it, it can't, you can't complain too much about what this line has been able to do. Just hope that Bakhtiari is able to actually get back, uh, you know, maybe the next couple of weeks here because they're going to, you know, next week might be the right time for it against this Browns defense with Clowney and, and Miles Garrett. I don't want to, you know, I, I like what Nyman's done this season. I, I would really rather see <laughs> Bakhtiari against Miles Garrett than, than Yash Nyman, regardless of how well he's played so far. Yeah, and Cl- Clowney's on the reserve list. That's going to be, I mean, this is another oh, that's point. Right. Yeah. That's, that's happening. I mean, everyone has COVID right now. I mean, it's, it's, go, it's running through the league. It's something like 10% of the league. Well, and who knows right who knows if that game is still going to be played on Christmas Day at this point. Right. I mean, the Browns game already got moved back from it was supposed to be Saturday. Now it's getting played tomorrow afternoon. Um, a Monday to Saturday turnaround is only, you know, it's only a little bit better than like a Thursday night game after a Sunday. Um, you get one extra day there. So, you know, they'll, they'll probably keep it if they can. But if you see another, you know, big rash of, of cases in Cleveland, I won't be surprised at all if we see that bump back a day or two. Right. And who knows like what their practices look like and really what they're able to game plan. I mean, that's one of the tougher things too. I think of all of this is like Baker Mayfield today is talking about, you know, I'm hoping to play tomorrow, which means that he hasn't tested uh, or he hasn't tested negative yet, but he's hoping to test negative tomorrow. I mean, that adds a whole other dimension to like kind of what you can and can't plan for with how the, the rules have changed and, Basically, yep. the way it works out now is like if you are if you're a vaccinated player and you are on, you know, the COVID reserve, you have tested positive for COVID at some point, then you can now immediately return to the field when you when you test negative. That's different than before when you had to take two tests that were negative 24 hours apart. Yep. Um, so now it's like up to game day that there's like question marks. You don't even know if like, you know, the day before you at least, you know, say, hey. This guy tested negative once, then on game day, hopefully he tests negative. You don't get that heads up anymore. And right. the Browns are playing on the road in Lambeau. So that adds a whole other dimension of like things can happen up to like basically kickoff and you're on the road. How do we travel? All of that. Like the, the league is about to be in a mess right now. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the changes to the protocol, like I get why they're doing it. I mean, they want to give these guys back um, if the, you know, with, with it, when they're asymptomatic and, and not hold them out if they, um, you know, for too much longer, but yeah, it, it just causes all these logistical nightmares, I think for, for all of these teams. Um, and, and now there's talk, you know, they, they've been talking about a, like a contingent activation on game day so that you can, you know, technically activate him back to the 53 if he, and then hope that he tests negative. Um, so that's, that's a whole nother animal too, that, that I think we're going to start seeing here this, this next week. Um, you know, it's it, some teams going to going to lose in the playoffs because of COVID like it's going to happen. Um, I just, yeah, obviously we just hope that, uh, 
that it happens to somebody else at this point um, and that everybody's okay. Yeah. And the other thing too, is the, the league is going to be testing a whole lot less now. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not going to be testing vaccinated players who are, uh, are asymptomatic. They're basically only going to test people who show, show symptoms. Um, that's very different than how other leagues are handling this too. Like the NHL, I don't really follow the NHL, but they're going into daily testing now. The EPL yep. is like basically shut down. Um, so well, I, don't, it, I, I it, don't know what's feasible in terms like what are we going to see through the month of December? I have I legit have no clue. No, it's crazy. And it seems like it's going counter to what the NFLPA wanted, or at least the NFLPA leadership, because JC Treader was out there this week again talking about wanting daily testing for everybody. Um, so the fact that, if anything, they're easing off testing is kind of surprising, um, given the comments that Treader has made as the, the players' union president. Well, that was the whole thing with the Browns and why there was so much yeah. confusion with the Browns situation is the league essentially told the Browns, don't test unless the players are symptomatic. And then they had to practice. And then the union came in and said, no, that's not what we're doing. We're testing everyone. Like, what, why would you just do that? And then they had players ripped out of practice. That was when like Case Keenum was in practice. Yeah. And then they were like, he was just our starting quarterback. What are you talking about? So there seems to be a lack of communication at the very least between the union and the league office, um, yep. how they get through the season and how, I guess, like how bad they don't want to like disrupt the schedule and make sure everyone's checks uh, get through we saw the the Raiders uh, players tweeting out like they were very mad that the game got pushed off <laughs> pushed off of uh, Saturday and they were saying yeah it's because it, you know a competitive disadvantage to us it's like yes yeah that was kind of the whole point like they want the players to play the games but the other the other option too is if those games get forfeited neither team gets paid right um, so uh, there's a lot of things that players have to to I guess account for um, yeah. other, other places in the league uh, to talk about football again, the Arizona Cardinals lost a football game. And not only did they lose a football game, they lost a game Dude. to the Detroit Lions. Holy crap. <laughs> that, that was, that is, that's up there for the most shocking result of this season, right? Like I, there's not Has really another contender. Um, and, and it wasn't just a loss. I mean, it was an 18 point loss. That was a 30 to 12 game. Um, I mean, it was like 17 zero at one point, like they were just getting blown out. Literally, somebody I have never heard of ran for a hundred yards for the Lions. Who's the who the hell is this Reynolds guy? I, I again, literally, never never heard of this guy before in my life, and he he racks up a hundred yards on the the Cardinals defense. Um, Murray didn't look very good from from what I saw of the game. Um, you know, good on you, Amon Ross, St. Brown, little little St. Brown, on uh, having a nice big game. But uh, yeah, little little breathing room there. We'll see what happens uh, with the Tampa game tonight because we're we're recording. At, at halftime right now, the saints are up six, nothing on the Buccaneers. So man, if, if both of those teams would drop one, um, give the, give the Packers a little bit of comfort here. Um, the only crazy thing there is that if the Packers were to drop one and, and all these teams were to end up with four losses, here comes Dallas. Like, yeah. da and Dallas would have the tiebreaker right now um, based on conference record. They've lost three of their four losses have come to AFC games. They've only got one, one loss in the NFC. So Packers still probably have to win out because, um, I mean, Dallas is going to play some NFC East teams down the stretch here. So the, the, the playoff picture just keeps getting weirder. And, um, man, I'd love to see the Saints find, find a way to pull this one off in the second half, but we'll, we'll see by the time this gets up. Yeah, the, the Dallas thing is interesting because they're, like, still barely alive, but they are alive. Um, so the, the way that this works out now is on 538, Green Bay is now fully in the driver's seat, 63% chance to get a first-round buy. If New Orleans does lose, that jumps up to 78. So, I mean, that's, that's great to hear. The Green Bay Packers also, by the way, clinched the NFC North. Um, they're the first oh, yeah. team. That happened today. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody forgets about that. That, that, that was a thing in this I, game. I had that... forgotten completely until the post-game press where the players were wearing the hats yeah. and shirts. And I was like, Oh, yeah. it's a hat and shirt game. I forgot mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. Good job guys. <laughs> um, they, I think they're also officially the first team to punch in a playoff ticket. I don't think Arizona has technically done that yet. Um, on no, yeah, they haven't, uh, they haven't locked in the division for sure. Um, so I guess they're still, uh, they're still hanging out there. Yeah, I mean that 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 loss does open up a lot of things. I mean, the Rams are looking good as of late too. I mean, they're about to have to play a, a Tuesday game because you know they have so many players who are sick. 
So who knows what that looks like, but they now give them a 33% chance to win the division. Um, I think this Rams team is probably like when they're healthy at quarterback specifically, like when Stafford looks healthy, they're just able to score at will. And I know that defense isn't right um, in terms of like being able to contend with what some of these other teams are able to do. But if you're able to score, like you could go on a playoff run, you can go on a Super Bowl run. So Yep. I would say, how are you feeling right now? Because I still believe the biggest threat is Tampa. Yep. And I'm worried about the Rams and I'm worried about the Niners because of the way that they play football. And outside of that, I'm not that I'm not really that worried about Dallas when Dak isn't able to move around with his the way the his foot situation right now. Yep. And then Arizona, I mean, Kyler missed a month and he hasn't looked right since he came back. And yep. that just might be who he is. Like we've seen this two years in a row now. Yeah, you you nailed the the three, and and really even I, I I maybe it's just because of recency bias, but the Packers have had the Rams number these last couple of years, um, so I'm not even that you know feeling that concerned about uh, about the Rams. Um, yeah, it's Tampa, and again that that one seed and and avoiding the the first round the wild card weekend just takes on that much more importance because that's one less opportunity for injuries to hit for covid to hit and and knock you out for a week um on top of everything else that goes into that and and home field advantage so it takes on that much added importance this year um with all the the craziness that's going on now yeah i mean think of how much home field advantage would matter with like this day of testing oh man i mean that's a that's a legitimate thing. The, the yeah. other thing too, that doesn't get talked about enough is how road games impact injuries and rehab that doesn't get talked about nearly enough, you know, at the NFL level where everyone knows that home field advantage for the most part is about travel. It's not really about like the fans, right? A lot, a lot of people want it to be about the fans. It's not really about the fans. It's about travel and it's about like real specific situations like elevation at Denver. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that makes travel really inconvenient is if you're hurt and you have to then go on a plane while you're trying to rehab an injury. Like remember when, what was it? Rogers knee injury that he played through and they played a road game then at Washington and got upset by Washington. And yeah. it was like right off of that injury. And he was talking about like, you know, I was doing all this rehab and I was feeling fine and like I could play through it. And then like I went on a plane and sat on a plane <laughs> for three hours and was a- unable to move in this teeny tiny little box And I couldn't go under center anymore. So then they have to play in the pistol the entire game. They weren't able to go under center. And it's like, that stuff matters, man. Like that stuff matters. Well, and coming down the stretch here, two of three uh, games in the regular season, Packers are at home. So that's a good news. And then no real injuries this week in this game for the Packers. That's, that's crazy. I mean, you had the the Lazard thing a little bit, but he was back in there. Um, He was back in after that. Um, I don't think we really saw anybody leave with anything significant, which I feel like is the first time we can say that this entire season that, that the Packers haven't lost a major contributor at some point in the game. Yeah, don't be surprised if Lazard's limited on uh, yeah. Monday practice. I mean, he, he kind of deserves it for the and they they threw a nine route to him in in the end zone, like right after he came back onto the field too, and he landed right back on that shoulder. Yeah, like, dang man. Um, the one thing that did come up in the post-game presser was uh, LaFleur was talking about the kickoff return rotation and how they used, I think it was four guys as kickoff returners throughout the game. And he said that it was basically because guys were getting dinged up. So I don't know if that means Amari's Mm. hurt because he was replaced Mm. as a punt returner too during the game for Shannon Sullivan, um, which I guess we'll talk about in a little bit, but I don't know if Amari's banged up uh, is is basically my thought. Um, It wasn't really announced like that. But the way LaFleur talked about it made it seem like maybe he's dealing with something. Hey, some, somebody dropped a, a heater on his foot or something on the sideline. Who knows? Halftime. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, we'll take it to break, and then we'll come back with the uh, vibe checks. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. All right, we're going to start with the offense. Um, the, the first drive was infuriating. Uh, yep. two, two runs, a wide open miss on a, a what possibly could have been, you know, a touchdown throw to Devontae Adams at the sideline. Why, why you would run twice against this secondary, this, this Raven secondary that you know has basically nobody left, um, and then have Rodgers, who hasn't practiced all week, have his first throw be on a third down um, when you have to, to connect to sustain a drive. I don't understand the thought press thought process there at all um and we saw it uh looking at the stats every time you know basically when when the Packers ran on early downs it was essentially a negative or neutral play when the Packers passed on early downs they they gained half an EPA per play uh when they're passing on first and second down like it's uh, the 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 choice there on that opening drive yeah infuriating frustrating confusing um, I, I threw it out there. The only possibility that I could even think of is maybe Lafleur is trying to see how they're playing the run game to try to make some adjustments later on. But even so, one of those first two plays, knowing the personnel has to be a pass. One thing that I thought about was because the Ravens are such an aggressive defense, typically, I wondered if their thought was basically like, let's use these early downs as almost like information gathering tools. And yeah. like, you know, like we're, we're doing Intel right now. Right. And like, we have, that's kind of what I was getting and, at. Right. Yeah. Is hurt. Like I was wondering if they were going to do something like that, but then you looked at the stats, the Ravens basically didn't blitz. Mm-hmm. So they are playing coverage all game. Um, I guess in theory, like coverage is probably like he's Aaron Rodgers. He's seen coverages before. Like he knows how to, th- he, he was making some crazy throws where he was blacking out all game. So I'm yeah. not worried about playing coverage. Like I'm worried about Aaron Rodgers getting hurt in this game. That's that's the only thing that I would worry about. It was weird too because like Aaron Jones, this is the healthiest Aaron Jones has looked since his MCL injury too. Absolutely, yeah. He he ripped up a couple of really nice runs in this game. Um, they were inside runs too, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, wasn't it wasn't the the usual outside zone stuff that uh, he was getting his chunk plays on. Yeah, he was looking great, and this is finally the first game I think where he outsnaps uh, A.J. Dillon in terms of the actual carries. Yeah. Um, I, I know the last two weeks it's kind of been like the A.J. Dillon show. I don't think it's a defense, like a defensive scheme thing, especially the way that they were running Aaron Jones. Like like you said, yeah. they were running inside zone. I mean, typically that's a thing that you would want to do with like A.J. Dillon, and they did give him a goal line carry finally. He got a touchdown on one. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I still wonder like what it looks like moving forward. Like, is this still a two to one split where Aaron Jones is the guy and AJ Dillon only got kind of those two, three weeks of burn because Aaron Jones wasn't fully healthy or it's, it's hard for me to know. I know there's tons of yep. people probably that like their fantasy football playoffs or whatever, like depend on this, but I, I would legitimately have no answer to give them. Yeah, I, I think some of it too is is game state. Again, we've kind of talked about you know Dylan comes in as the four, in the fourth quarter when the Packers are trying to grind clock um, because you want to put your two hundred fifty pounder in the backfield and and make defenses try to tackle him late in the game when they're getting worn down and you've got a lead and you're trying to run some clock off. And that wasn't really the case in in this one, um, even though they they were up what fourteen. Um, I guess they only got the ball back down uh, up seven points. So at that point, you're still, um, you know, you're still trying to trying to move the ball and, and put some points up on the board to, to extend that lead. So you never really got in that, um, you know, that ideal fourth quarter Dylan drive mode. And early on in the game, the Packers offense just like was not having, was not holding on to the ball. I mean, between the three and out on the first drive, the Ravens went on two long drives um, back to back. They got the ball to, to start the game. The first quarter, the Ravens had 11 minutes time of possession. Yeah. It was the Packers ninth uh, no score first quarter of the season, which tied them for the worst in the league with the Detroit Lions, who are now two ten and one. So the Packers are like 
actually like the, you know, second, third, fourth quarter team. Like they're slow yep. slump at the beginning and then they just build it up at the end. But that's kind of scary when you're going to be going against teams that like can, if you punt one, they might turn, they might go up 14-0 instead of 7-0, yep. you know? And that's, that's the, that's always been the formula and under LaFleur teams to beating them, right? It's to jump out to a two touchdown lead on, on this Packers team. Um, and it's, I think some of it's a function of deferring, but also having that defense that wasn't getting stops on third down that was that has allowed some of these long drives and obviously that's finally gotten some stops in the red zone in in recent weeks. But you're kind of playing with fire there, um, especially if if your offense, as it has been, has been struggling in that first quarter. Um, that's that worries me that it's going to burn them at some point here soon. The other thing that I was like paying attention to throughout the game, it seemed like all the shotgun snaps were like weird timing. Like yeah. the ball wasn't going into a spot that that was a weird spot. It was legit the timing. And the more I noticed it, the more I realized it was when the Packers were like doing drive starters. So like when the fans are to their back, you know, 20 you know ish yards away. And then when they're near the goal line and that tells you like the fans are a factor. Like it's, it's yep. a noise thing. Um, Dennis Kelly had that false start on, on first down. Um, they had, they had, uh, what was it? Uh, what did I write? Two TOs in the red zone. Two timeouts. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. The two time. I'm going to leave yeah. this in because I, I forgot about <laughs> this completely. Two timeouts in the red zone. I had forgotten about that. They burned a timeout on like a third and 11 or something. Like yeah. That, that was bad. That was mm-hmm. not good. Well, and they they damn well might have needed those timeouts at the end of that game too. Yeah. So. Oh goodness. But yeah, I mean, I th- I think noise was definitely a factor. The, the Ravens fans yeah. came out there and and were very much heard. It was weird though too because at the end of the game, you heard the go pack go chance mm-hmm. when when people were filing out of the stadium and you're like, what the heck? I even saw somebody. From? I even saw somebody tweet in the first quarter that they heard a go pack go chant even on the on the broadcast. Um, so clearly they were there, but um, yeah, the, the Ravens fans showed up today. They, they had a, a I, I agree with you. I think they definitely had a significant impact. Um, and I, I don't know why they couldn't get on the same page there. All right. So let's give a grade. Um, oh, one more thing. Big dog. Mm. What a game. Yeah. What a game. Oh man. He was fantastic. Um, it's just, it's so damn much fun to to see a guy who moves that slow pick up the yak that he picks up (laughs) and it it doesn't make any sense but it it just works it's i think guys just bounce off of him Um, yeah it's like he's made of rubber or something it's 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 great it's awesome it was like his third reception or something and it took like the fourth guy to finally get him on the ground he was looking like he was going to the sideline and it looked like every db just like held up a little bit and then he cut back into the field and it was like, Oh God, we got to get this guy on the ground. That's no fun. Yep. That was great. The other, the other guy I want to call out is MVS big MVS game. Yeah. Um, but the team know. in receiving. Yep. 98 yards, five catches, got the touchdown, a great stretch on that score too, uh, to keep the, you know, get the ball over the, the goal line with his knees off the ground. Um, and then that catch that he had on okay, his second down or something, but the one that Rogers put, right in that that tiny little gap right over the middle of the field on that crosser um yeah just a a a perfect vintage rogers throw i'm gonna give the offense uh let's go eight out of ten i mean they're not healthy but i can't really find anything to complain about offensively other than the the back-to-back runs like very clearly we're not going to work against the number one defense when you're playing in you know their backup secondary that probably wasn't smart but outside of that nothing to complain about yeah i was i was sitting at a seven for about the same reason i think i'm dinging them a little bit more for for that and then just my my general level of concern um coming into to next week facing miles garrett with you know the offensive line that the packers have right now yeah they're gonna they're gonna be scary i that's the one matchup that could like completely swing the game i think yeah for the browns um defensively we already mentioned Mm. it a little bit but Mark Andrews just eating Darnell Savage. I mean, Savage has been there a lot um, in terms of like coverage, like being right in the hip pocket of guys. He was like a step or two behind Mark Andrews. Off game. 
Most of that game. Yeah. The only play that I can really remember where he was even close was that I think it was the first touchdown that Andrews had. Uh, maybe no, maybe it was the second one. Cause the first one Savage looked like he got pushed off. Um, but the second one, it looked like he was there. He just couldn't find the ball. Um, and it was a really good placement by Huntley too, but that was about the only one, everything else he was, he was trailing the whole time. Huntley's boy did, or uh, not Huntley's boy, Paul's boy Huntley did, yeah. did really good. I mean, he's, he's gonna be a starter probably one day. I mean, the way, the way that he's playing, the way that NFL teams go through quarterbacks, like near the deadline, you know, in the off season, yeah. you know, when they're having to reboot their franchise, like, if you're a team that needs – I'm trying to think of an example. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, right, and you know you're going to draft, like, a rookie quarterback in, like, the second round or something, Tyler Huntley is, like, the quarterback that you trade for to be kind of, yeah. like, the passing of the torch or, like, in case this guy doesn't turn out, like, at least we have a vet, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's the Gardner Minshew, right? I mean, the Eagles exactly. kind of brought him in to, you know, in case Jalen Hurts flames out. And um, that's I think that's the that's a great comp for uh for where Huntley's gonna end up next year Gary's gonna cause me a heart attack at some <laughs> point in the playoffs um he can't keep contained to save his life he's like ideally Rashawn Gary should be like a third down pass for Sean and he would be amazing in that role yeah he, he can't play in that role right now the way the Packers are structured he's an every down player he's probably gonna get paid a lot of money to be an every down player I just don't know if he is like actually that guy because you can just run around him and we're seeing this week to week now and we're thankful right now that you know the top guys that worry us in or the top teams in the nfc we already talked about them right the quarterbacks aren't really that mobile jimmy garoppolo yep. matthew stafford tom brady they're not going to make fools out of rashawn gary the same way that tyler huntley just did yep yeah i think that's the saving grace in this this playoff field is that that exact thing um i mean if dak and kyler were fully healthy those would be the two guys you'd probably worry about but neither one of them is certainly not kyler at this point so um that might not be as big a deal in the postseason as we've seen it in these last couple weeks with with fields and now huntley and some of these other guys one thing i want to look at this week is the the defensive line film and just like what they're doing against the run because it didn't seem like it wasn't like, uh, what was it, last week when Campbell came off of the COVID reserve and it seemed like his legs weren't right and they were just attacking him over and over and were like, we're just going to make you play sideline to sideline because you haven't been conditioning in, you know, 10 days or whatever. It seemed like some of those problems went away today. I don't think yep. Campbell played poorly, but they were just being – the, the Ravens were just able to run at will at the Packers in terms of – we could at least get like, you know, a three yard, you know, penetration up the middle or something like that. And that hasn't necessarily been the case in like the last probably two months, I would say. So I I wonder how much of that comes back down to defensive line play. Yeah. And that's where, that's where Kenny hurts, right. Is hopefully getting Kenny back uh, next week. Um, We'll help that, you know, drop that. It was a five and a half yards per carry average. Um, not granted, Huntley did a lot of that, but even Latavius Murray had seven carries for 48 yards for seven seven yards a clip. Um, so he, he gashed them a couple times. So yeah, it was not pleasant. Um, we gotta we gotta talk about the trash can still being on the inactive list. Like, what the hell are they doing with Jack Heflin, man? Yeah, what the heck was that? So uh, Abdullah Anderson w- was brought up. Um, he is active. Jack Heflin is not. So they basically are spending two 53-man roster spots on Jack Heflin and Vernon Scott, the the fourth safety, that are just players that are just not going to be used in games. And it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't understand it. I mean, maybe they're trying to replace Heflin. If they're willing to replace Heflin and they think this guy is better, maybe. I mean, I know he got on the field this week. Uh, We'll be able to see it on on, on film, but... I know they signed Sean Davis too um, at safety and there's, are they trying to replace Vernon Scott? Like they should be trying to get better than Henry black before the playoffs. Henry black is not a good football player. And the Packers (laughs) weren't really in dime today because that's just not what Baltimore does. I mean, when you have a quarterback running around like that, you can't be a dime really. So they, they, they shied away from it. I mean, he's going to be playing next week though. Like Henry black is going to be playing on third downs against the Browns. So, for sure. He'll, he'll show up again. 
but but yeah, I mean D- Davis playing special teams, you know, active on game day. Vernon Scott even can't can't make the roster to play teams over a practice squad guy. Like what what are we doing here? I don't get it. I I, I legit don't because Vernon Scott too was like he was dealing with that hamstring, and then he was also not even like Ennis was getting in in the rotation more than Vernon Scott in the summer in in uh, yep. training camp preseason. So, yeah, I I don't get it. I really don't get it. I actually still like Ennis. We're going to loop back around uh, next summer because I'm looking at some of these guys on the practice squad that I like. KB on Ento. Yep. Great cover corner. He cannot tackle anyone. Like nope. if, if you only had to cover people, he would be on an NFL roster right now. I, I feel like that's what happens to an extent when you take a receiver and move him to corner at the pro level. Yeah. Like Sam, Sam Shields was not a, a particularly good tackler. He could cover like crazy, had great ball skills, but uh yeah, he, he's not the guy you're going to send out there and run support and count on. Him, uh, Ennis Gaines, the other TCU safety, who's just – he is just a hit stick. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he just comes down and just nails guys. Uh, Ray Wilburn, who for some reason is listed as a safety on our lads, he is definitely an inside linebacker, yep. um, not a safety. Th- those three guys are still guys on the practice squad who I think, like, maybe could contribute, like, during this playoff run, um, depending on injury or something like that. Bronson Kafusi is another one. He's a blocking tight end. Outside of that, you know, there's – we've already moved up so many guys from the practice squad that it's hard to tell, like, the other guys who are on there still. Like, Cole Van yep. Lennon, I don't know. He was working with the threes. Like, Yeah. Active today because they needed an eighth offensive yeah. lineman. So, probably and will be the next couple of weeks. And it's kind of weird that they elevated a tackle. I guess the thought is like Ben Braden can play both tackle and guard. I so you think get so. Yeah. There, but yeah, they basically didn't, they don't have like a true guard, I guess, like on as a backup off of the bench. Cause they, they're down to Jake Hansen at center. And yep. then they had Ben Braden who was kind of, I'm sure he would have gotten in for either tackle or guard if there was yeah. another injury. And then Cole Van Lennon as like emergency tackle. Like we yeah. were literally out of, we're, we're one step removed from starting Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> um defensively i'm pretty disappointed i mean you yeah. gave you gave up 30 points to a backup quarterback and i know he's a pretty good backup quarterback he's still backup quarterback um and and it's not like the rest of the offense was healthy either i mean their entire offensive line was basically backups in the same way that that green bays were so i'm gonna give this like like a five and that that's even i feel like i'm being nice there yeah, I, I'm I'm in a I'm in about a four, and the big the big thing that drops me down another notch was they had ten guys on the field on Huntley's first touchdown run. How do you do that? They and didn't have an first, edge defender, and he found a, he found it immediately. He was like, "Oh, I'm running left." Then it's a first and goal from the friggin' three yard line. How do you have ten men on the field? How do you that's, do that? That's coaching. God. I mean, that's yeah. coaching. Joe Joe was yelling at someone too. Yeah, he was yelling, "Come here!" I, I couldn't see who's. <laughs> whose name he was calling out, but he was saying someone come here. And I was like, you didn't, you do, you don't have enough guys on the field. Don't be yelling at players on the field when you were down. Guy. Yep. Um, here we go. Yep. Special teams. Let's I mean, a, n- a it, new way to screw up every week, man. This oh, time man. it's kick catch interference on Isaac. Adam. It just every game, something the new pops punt, up. Yeah. The first punt, the three and out, you go down, you knock the guy's head off when he was going for a fair catch. They ended up starting in opponent's territory, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. that. So, yeah, way to cost it. I mean, yeah, Adam's been doing good as a gunner. He's been doing good as a vice guy all season. But, I mean, that one sucks. Well, and it was, it was blatant, too. Like, it, there was – I don't know how he didn't avoid him. How, he had plenty of time to pick his head up and, and find the, the return man and, uh, and avoid the guy. So, yeah, that one's entirely inexcusable. There was also another bad punt where they had a delay of game and then yeah. they shanked it. And I don't know what that's about, but Orquez has a boot. I don't know why he's getting like these weird shanks now and it's making me nervous. Well, and he still a- ended up averaging like 49 yards a kick too. So like he had a 59 yarder in there somewhere. That one was a, a freaking moonshot. Um, it didn't seem like the wind was crazy. Like we've seen in no, games either. No, not at all. So I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, at least he's got the leg to kind of make up for it on some of them when he, you know, some of the other ones when he's not shanking it, unlike JK, but it's, it's just, I don't know if the punting in this, this team is cursed or what the hell it is, but I still, uh, it's still light years better than it was last couple of years though. So we got that going for us, which is nice. 
at least the the, the kicking itself, <laughs> coverage and everything else aside. Amari Rogers started as the yeah, kick returner. Um, he had a solid return, and it was brought back for holding. Yeah. Sucks. Sucks. Yep. And then uh, he was replaced as a kick returner in the second half by uh, Malik, and then Aaron Jones got in. I don't know who the fourth kick return yeah. that was brought up is but i don't i don't know that that was a weird one because it, it didn't look like i don't think baltimore got backed up at all they just did they just have jones back as a weird like you know expecting a short kick because the they because they, yeah. they short they short kicked the the one that garvin misplayed and i mean you're not expecting Which your fourth your fourth string outside linebacker to to make a good play on a on a kick return but still um that was another bad one uh that, that yeah. came up so jeez. The pop-up is just, hey, hey, I bet you haven't practiced this. Right. I bet you haven't practiced this. And they, they, were they right. did. They did. It, <laughs> it, was, it was Garvin and. Uh, was that Malik back there, I think? No, it was um, the running back from Memphis. Dang. Patrick. Oh, uh, yeah. Patrick Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. It yeah, went yeah. between his legs yep. and then got to Garvin. And then they were like, oh, That's crap. Right. And then Garvin missed it and then ended up fa- falling on top of it. So. Yeah. Whew. There, there could have been some bad ones. The onside kick freaked me out. We got back oh. to back, back to back weeks with onside kicks. I don't need any more onside kicks in my life. Can we, can we also shout out AJ Dillon on the hands team? Yeah. Good yeah. on you, man. Thank God. Thank God he came up with that. <laughs> I don't know if I could have dealt with another one. Oh. Um, Chandon Sullivan Jeez. ended up returning punts once Amari was out. He's returned, uh, or yeah, he had three kick returns in 2019, but hadn't been like a punt mm-hmm. guy, I guess. Um, I think he just like fair caught the one that that was. Yeah, that was the only one I think that he had. He just went fair caught, but I mean, he caught a clean, so I'll take it. Yeah, I think Matub last week was talking about we just needed Tremont Williams back there. Oh yeah, just fair catch everything, and maybe Chandon could be our Tremont. Hey, let's yeah, let's do it. It's not like uh, you know, not like we've gotten a whole lot of production on that spot now. So just catch the ball clean, get off the field, let Aaron Rodgers take the field and do something. Don't, don't overthink this. The other thing uh, I want to bring up, I forgot to bring this up when we were talking about defense. Since we're talking about corners, Kevin King was healthy again. Um, didn't seem like he was rotating with Russell Douglas at all. So I think the Kevin King thing is now done. I know he was on the field a couple of times and like yeah. Mark Andrews, which seems that was weird. That was interesting. Um, late in the game, it seemed like they were trying that to mix it up a little bit and, and get Savage off him. Not that it had any more success than Savage covering him did because they kept targeting Andrews over the middle. Um, I, I'm curious about what the thought process was there. I wonder if we'll hear from Barry this week and if somebody will ask him about that. Bring up Ennis from the uh, practice squad. Just yeah. let him hit. Just let him hit people. He's a big guy. Just let him hit people. Um, there was one point where, uh, Matt Schneidman tweeted this out, Matt Schneidman of the athletic Alan Lazard, Kevin King and Russell Douglas were all on kickoff coverage. So when they were talking about last week where they're saying, you know, we're all hands on deck now, like we might have to use starters if there's an emergency, they were full blown. This is an emergency mode now. So like when it's clutch time, I mean, some of those guys are going to end up playing on special teams now. Yeah. Russell made the, the tackle on the opening kickoff, I think too. Um, made a real nice one, but uh, he's played some some teams this year earlier in the season. Um, even when he was For getting sure. some substantial snaps, I think I looked it up and he'd had four four other games uh, in the last couple last two months where he had played double digit special team snaps. So he's certainly uh, got experience doing that. Um, has been doing it here. Uh, I think last week was the first time that he was down below double digits uh, in a game for for a month, uh, and that was because. Yeah, it seems like he's he's got that starting job on lockdown now. But yeah, bring him back. Uh, it's you 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 have to find <laughs> find a way to get uh, get some production out of those units, and if that's what it takes. Then so be it. I'm gonna give him one out of ten. Um, I feel like we've already seen zero out of ten, which is unfortunately the only reason why I can't give them yeah. a zero. But you messed up on every unit other than basically the field goal team field goal yep made made all five of their kicks one field goal four four pats so but like you said uh every every week it's something new and you know that you find new ways to just drive us insane so yeah i'm with you one one's about right nothing nothing much to say there Hopefully, uh, Kenny gets healthy. Hopefully, you know, Bakhtiari, Billy Turner are able to return to the field soon. It sounds like 
Jair should be able to return to the field soon. He was taking, yep. uh, you know, Instagram live video, you know, shouting out uh, Joe Barry in the post game press or in the post game uh, celebration in the locker room. So hopefully those guys are back. I feel like the only guy at this point who we don't know is going to come back this season is probably Zedaria Smith, or at, at yep. least a guy who like doesn't have a chance to move up in status uh, over the next week, I would say, um, based yep. off of how they were talking about him. And the other one, too, is Josh Meyer. I mean, quietly, we had just forgotten that, like, Josh Myers is designated to return off of, you know, injury, yeah. injured reserve, and we haven't really heard anything about him recently. So. Yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember hearing he was with the, the rehab group starting this week in practice. So I guess fingers crossed that that, uh, that opens up his window and, and maybe you get him back. Because, um, man, you get, you get him, Bach, and Turner back by the uh, – you know, by the start of the postseason, get that extra week to, you know, if you get the first round by to let them get healthy and, and get ready to go. That's a whole different animal on the offensive line. If you get those three guys back. And if Tampa, I mean, this game is still live. It's still six zero new Orleans. If Tampa does end up losing and then green Bay wins out and what is it? The Cardinals drop their game against the Cowboys. There's a chance that the Packers don't even have to really play that week 18 game. So, I mean, you, yeah, two weeks of rest with a quarterback who's having an MVP season with a, you know, fractured pinky toe. I mean, I'm sure that would go a long way, not even including the players coming off of injured reserve. So for this sure. team definitely needs to get healthy. Um, prayers up for Kenny Clark. I mean, it seems like the Packers need him back bad based off of like the, just the on off splits. Right. Yep. Um, but we'll keep you tuned in this week. Do you have anything else to plug Evan? No, um, just keep it, keep it to the site. Uh, we'll look forward to some, uh, you know, some football on Christmas day. I'm, I'm, I am personally excited. Um, I'll be spending Christmas day with, uh, a, the portion of my family that is big into football and big into Packers football. So I'm all for it. I know a lot of people are not given holiday plans, but, uh, you know, just keep it, uh, keep it with us and, and join us and we'll hopefully have a good time on Saturday. Yeah. I'm, I'm secretly rooting for that game to me just a little bit just a little bit just you know to not a day where i'm visiting my dad's family my mom's family and my girlfriend's family you know any other day but yep. uh we'll keep it posted for you guys this week uh stay stay tuned to the feed and uh click on some acme packing company links thanks guys